I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello again. Welcome to Full Throttle. And we're at the end of another race weekend for World Superbikes and another season for British Superbikes. And congratulations to Leon Haslam. He has finally done it. And although we're in the World Superbike commentary box, we're going to have to start, aren't we, with British Superbikes. Greg Haynes with you. Michael Guy's with us here as well. Michael, first of all, it's been a pleasure to be back with you in the commentary box this weekend. It's been your only fourth broadcast, hasn't it? And, of course, your first since Imola last year. What have you made of the whole experience of a new track with yeah. Argentina, first of all? And then, of course, Leon Haslam. What a, what a weekend for him. What a year for him. It's been a challenge, obviously, being a new track. You know, lots of these tracks... I was World Superbike reporter for Motorcycle News for uh, 10 years, so you obviously get familiar with all these tracks, and this one is completely new. Mm. But what a place, what a venue. Um, there was, like we spoke about, you know, there's been a lot of there was a lot of speculation over the suitability of the track, whether it was even going to be finished in time. But as we saw, they did an amazing job. Track looked incredible, incredible surroundings, incredible atmosphere, great fans, so really good. Coming back to British Superbikes, Leon Haslam, British Superbike champion, got the job done. You know, fantastic performance, a fantastic family, fantastic rider, rider with so much um, obviously natural talent, but also someone, a rider that has you know been through a lot in his career. You know, had some pretty horrific injuries, had some pretty disappointing results. Uh, sorry, disappointing times in his career where he possibly hasn't got the rise he necessarily deserves. Mm. You know, remember Karshamine back end of 2015, he won his last World Superbike race and didn't get a ride, you know. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to sort of make sense. But look, he's gone back to the UK. He's been an absolute contender from the word go. Came very close to winning the championship last year. Has won the championship this year. Um fantastic job and that confidence it brings for him to come into world superbikes in 2019 also with the provec factory kawasaki krt team which is clearly the number one team in world superbikes it's quite a mouth-watering proposition because we know from leon that he's going to give it his absolute all um and i think there's going to be occasion where he's going to be able to give jonathan a run for his money would you say this is probably the best chance now that we've maybe ever seen of a rider going from BSB as the champion and then becoming world superbike champion the next season? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but is it the best chance we've ever had of that happening? Yeah, I guess it has really, because to be stepping up into a world championship and to be on the best bike on the grid 
currently. We don't know how the Ducati's gonna, new Ducati is going to mm, fare. But right now, it's the best bike on the grid. And I don't think any other British champion has ever had that opportunity when they've stepped up. Um, so, yeah, I think it possibly is that. But actually pulling that off, I think, is going to be a, a, a huge task. I think the, the objective... Look, Leon's going to... If you ask Leon, he's going to say... I want to go there. I want to be world superbike champion. Why wouldn't he? He's a racer. He's 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 come very close in the past. 2010, he finished second in the world superbike championship. Fought all the way. Led a lot of it. Was eventually outgunned by a full factory Aprilia, was ridden by Max Biaggi, who was you know still a formidable talent with an Aprilia team that was putting a lot of effort, a lot of energy, um, headed by Gigi Deligna, the now um, guru that is uh, taken Ducati to the front of MotoGP. So they were really up against it. But um, I think Leon first, his first objective needs to be to get back to World Superbikes, have successful testing, make that transition to a bike with all these electronic aids. He's obviously got used to riding without the electronic aids. Um, it's the BSB regulations. And he's got to go out there and, and win some races. Had he not won it this weekend, though, as much as we like Jake Dixon, and he's such a fantastic character, he's a great ambassador to the sport, and I think he'll be very popular, actually, with more European and worldwide fans who don't yet know him as he goes across to Moto2 next year with the uh, Nieta team, isn't it, he signed for. But it would have been horrible had Leon Hazem not won it. It would have been terrible to watch, wouldn't it? It would have been painful just after last year. You know, you think, cast your mind back 12 months and he'd thrown away a 32-point lead. I mean, look, you've got to put credit to Shaky because Shaky put him under immense pressure by going out there and winning those races early on in that weekend. But, you know, he had broken legs. He limped up onto the grid and was carried onto the grid to congratulate Shaky. You know, it's a complete contrast. He's out now. I'd like to think he's a couple of beers down, um, (laughs) (laughs) enjoying his night, enjoying that feeling of being. And he also won the opening race today, which is a a real achievement. And that actually wraps up the fact that he has now won on every single circuit on the BSB calendar. That was the one sort of hole in his career. This is is since his return. He'd won there back in the day on the Ducati. But um, yeah, incredible ride, incredible performance year long. And yeah, on the subject of Jake, um, I met Jake right at the start of the year. I went trials riding with him and Whittam, actually, and Foggy. And, uh, oh, I remember that. That was a feature in MCN, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, a feature it? in yeah. the paper. What could and... possibly go wrong? Guy, <laughs> Whittam, Foggy and Dixon out on trials bikes. Yeah, and, uh, and I didn't know Jake, and uh, I warmed to him that day, to be fair. He is a good guy. He's an interesting guy. He's, he's kind of humble with his talents. He's had quite a lot going on with his partner not being very well. Mm, and he's, yeah. I think that sort of matured him but um i think it was foggy that actually said to him you know the person you've got to worry about is uh is is bradley ray you know because at the time you know bradley was real seen as as the man to potentially go and do some winning and he obviously did in those first couple of rounds but jake was straight back at carl basically saying look I'm not worrying about Bradley Ray. I've got that whole field to worry about. You know, he wasn't focusing on, you know, he was clearly out to not just be best rookie. He was out to become British champion. And his sort of put form and pace throughout the second half of the year, especially, you know, he had an incredible long run of consistent podium results. Um, so he did a really uh, a- amazing job all year. And I think it's vital for British motorsport that Jake Dixon has made a jump to the world stage. And he's in, he's in the MotoGP paddock. He's going to be in Moto2. Ultimately, you know, 
Cal Crutchlow winning races in MotoGP, obviously an incredible talent and is, you know, really upheld British, you know, honour in that paddock for the last few years. But he, you know, he's not going to be racing maybe one, two more years. We've lost Bradley Smith and Scott Redding out of the MotoGP paddock this year alone. Um, so having some new talents mm, come through and mm. Jake's only 20, maybe yeah, just, so, yeah. he's 20 years old and that's, that's the age they need to be getting into this paddock. And he's also signed for a good team with the Aspar team. So hopefully, you know, the future is bright for, for both Leon and for Jake. Well, we've got to hear from them, haven't we? They were, of course, chatting with our guys over at Brands Hatch for their last weekend of the season, the last BSB of 2018. Jake Dixon and, of course, the 2018 BSB champion, Leon Haslam. 12 months ago, you were, you were carried up here with a broken ankle to congratulate Shane Byrne. Just try and sum up for us, if you can, how it feels to be here as a number one right now. It's unreal, honestly. Um, what a year. Uh, like I say, 100% race, we're in 15 wins. I, I couldn't have wished for anything more. Um, it's been a hard slug. We've had his ups and his downs. But this year, you know, the boys have been faultless. And uh, big thanks to everyone involved. You know, uh, I've got so many good people around me that allows me to do my job. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Some party tonight, I reckon, for these boys. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. I'll let them have a night off. <laughs> and you managed to keep the goal fair and intact as well, which a couple of stages during that race looked a bit dodgy. I'll tell you what, I think the hardest thing ever was to keep the goal fair and intact. <laughs> it was one of those races. It was uh, just carnage. I, I couldn't find the grip, and uh, I wanted to finish the race, so I did back it off. But, yeah, thanks to these boys. And speaking of carnage, Leon, just finally, your family here as well now, your kids, and... Special memories for these guys too that they'll always remember. Yeah, it's good to have them along. Um, obviously, next year now they're at school. Obviously, with the racing, it's a little bit harder, but um, it's glad that they got to see me win today. And uh, yeah, sure they'll be joining us at the party later. We we'll look forward to that. Well done, Leon, once again. Congratulations, the 2018 Bennett's British Superbike champion. Thank you. Jake Dixon here chatting to Tommy Bridewell off camera there. But Jake, you wrap up your 2018 BSB season and potentially career with a third win in absolutely dreadful conditions here at Brands Hatch. Yeah, it wasn't ideal conditions out there. Uh, obviously, these boys were flying. I, I didn't really have anything after the crash in, in race one. It threw me a little bit. The bike, I don't know if it's bent or not or, or what's going on, but the boys did a fantastic job to put it back together and... Uh, what a way to go out with another podium for, for the team and uh, I think we wrapped up the team championship as well so I'm really really happy with that I uh, just want to say a massive thank you to them I can't thank them all enough I've had such a fantastic two years with them and uh, it's going to be sad to leave them but we're on to, to other things now and uh, I wish them all the best in the future with Ryan Vickers signing another young rider which Lee likes to seem to do and he took me in and, and gave me a chance and obviously a fantastic job to Leon to, to win the championship this year but I just wanted to have one over him on that one, so uh, I tried, uh, tried a little hard, and uh, luckily I beat him in that one, and uh, yeah, just want to say a massive congratulations to him. We're going to miss you and your jokes uh, in the paddock next season, Jake, that's for sure. No jokes this time. It'll be exciting to see what they can both do. Pastures new for the pair of them next year. As for World Superbikes, we spent our weekend, of course, chatting away about that and World Super Sport too. Argentina, all these scaremongering tactics you always say used by some people and just general worries that the track wouldn't be ready. I think some of them warranted, some of them unwarranted, but they did get it ready. Yes, there were still, still a few finishing touches going on here, there and everywhere, but the track looked brilliant, didn't it? And that's not just from watching on the TV as everyone's seen back home, but being there as well and everyone involved in the paddock, the facilities, 
okay, maybe the media centre's not the best in the world, Michael, but it's all worked. And it's been a big success, big crowd as well. Yeah, the passion for uh, for motorsport in that part of the world, Argentina especially, is, is huge. You know, Argentina, I think one of the worries was that Argentina was a real sort of emerging economy. It was really buoyant a few years ago, and they've seen that really slow down. And that was, mm. I think, fueling mm. some of the speculation that it wasn't going to be ready. Um, I've been out to that part of the world for Dakar a couple of times over the last sort of four or five years, and um, and I can tell you that, that the passion for motorsport is huge, and it's not just a sort of general demographic that you see from. Um, in the UK and Europe, of predominantly men, it's it's families out there. It's it's you know it, it's, it's it's you know lots of children, lots of younger generation just enjoying the actual spectacle, um, and they make the most of it. You know they're out there with their barbecues, cooking amazing steaks, drinking good wine, and uh, <laughs> enjoying the enjoying the atmosphere. So, what's the attraction for you to cover this Dakar event? Dakar. <laughs> Nothing to do with the wine or the no, atmosphere or the music or the barbecue. <laughs> no, but I remember you posting Instagram updates and things when you were out there. Was it January, February? Uh, January, January, year, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, and I just remember it was almost complete chaos in these tiny villages, with respect, in the middle of nowhere. And they're, oh, they're just crazy about it, aren't they? Well, there were times where... Um, so you have like a special stage and then you generally have a like a liaison which is generally a road stage that brings you back into the sort of bivouac the paddock the, yeah. sort of the, the constantly rolling paddock yeah. and there were times where the riders were coming in and they were saying literally for the last 20 miles there are five, six, seven, eight people deep each wow. side of the road all the way in shouting, cheering, waving flags, and the riders can't stop. If the riders stop, they just get completely mobbed. So that's like, that reminds me of the days of Group B rallying in the World Rally Championship in the 80s when people used to try and touch the cars and the crowd would separate, wouldn't it? You see all the classic images and obviously... Cycling. Cycling as well. And there have been some accidents, of course, because of that. But um, that's amazing. So there's, you know, all this talk about people saying people don't like bike racing anymore. There's still so much passion out there. Oh, without a doubt. Would you say the promotion of those events is is better is it different to the way things like world superbikes is marketed or is it because it does go to so many is the reach wider because it's covering such a vast area i think there's quite a big culture for off-road in these parts of the world because there's just amazing places to to ride um and i think the off-road bikes are generally smaller cheaper more accessible so people are, are are using them for transport in addition to sort of leisure um but the dakar you know the dakar okay it's kind of got a it's got quite a niche following in the uk but on a global scale from the spanish market french market you know um well to give you an idea of the the, the scale of dakar mm. um at the start of this year's race uh the french uh president emmanuel macron he was there with a dakar flag Wishing really? everyone a safe, you know, I can't imagine Theresa May kind of <laughs> getting, World getting behind it in the same way. So, you know, that's that's kind of the difference in difference in scale. And um and yeah, there's a lot there's, there's clearly a lot of passion out there for it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing actually, isn't it? Uh, you can imagine Donald Trump being on the grid at Laguna Seca, can't you? It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> it really is, it's gonna be great. So Jonathan Ray. Well, I mean, what can I say? Counting up the records, one, two, three, four, five doubles in a row, 10 wins in a row. That had never happened before. It has now. Yeah, incredible performance. I mean, 
on on some levels you could say it's boring you know his dominance is so complete at the moment well, some you know. people do think it's boring don't they and that with respect to Jonathan Ray, because we've got absolutely nothing against him, but from a story to cut in there, but some people do think it's boring, don't they? So what what happens now with with this situation? Well, at the end of the day, Jonathan Ray is doing exactly what he is yeah. essentially paid to do, yeah. what he's grown up wanting to do his entire life. He's not going to slow down, is he? No, I mean he's why he... on earth would he? <laughs> yeah, I mean he is like he's repeated, you know, numerous times, you know, this is his time. He is at the you know, what seems like the pinnacle of a of a very successful career. And right now you can't see anyone getting close to him no. over over the course of the no. season because not only is Jonathan able to get to the front and pull away like we saw in race one this weekend but he's also able to force the issue. He's also able to force people into mistakes. He's, he's totally prepared to go bar to bar with people. You know, he really is a complete racer. Um, and, he's, and he's absolutely at the top of his game and he's enjoying every minute. And, you know, he's, um, yeah, he's perfectly placed for that to continue. Do you not think as well that we should enjoy this era in a sense that, you know, in the future, these are the records that we'll be talking about in commentary, in MCN newspaper or wherever we're talking or writing and just chatting generally with our friends down the pub or whatever, we'll be looking back at Jonathan Ray's records, won't we? As Jonathan said, there'll be someone else out there in the future looking to beat my records. The sport is built on history and records, isn't it? We compare markets to people like Freddie Spencer or Ago or Doohan, who in their day, particularly Doohan and Ago, were absolutely dominating. And you could say that was very boring at the time, but when you get to the future, these are the records that are there to be beaten. So he's actually, in some ways, building up the future of the sport in a way, isn't it, for something to be to be aimed at in the future? Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that we, up until recently, we were comparing him to Carl Fogarty, who, you know, he's a he's a household name, you yeah. know, he's king of the jungle, you know, he's a, he's a man that has, 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 you know, morphed into more than just a motorcycle racer because of the way he did it and because of the way he won, because he was taking on... Italians and Americans mm-hmm. and Australians and, yeah. and, 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 and fighting that way. Yeah. And, you know, obviously incredibly popular. So you're absolutely right, Greg. I mean, I think you're in a position where these these are these are days where we will look back at them and they will be constantly referenced because whatever happens, you know, these records that Jonathan Ray is setting, like we say, one day you've got to say that these will be broken, but sat here right now you know we're thinking uh, when the hell is this ever going to end it's taken 20 years for for Jonathan to beat Carl Fogarty's records you know Jonathan's not finished yet no he's got another two years on his contract Jonathan's got another two years of his contract so you know know, quite honestly you know well I'm a bit older than you Greg I might not be alive to see these records get broken (laughs) (laughs) they could be that far off I hope that's not the case, Michael. But <laughs> but no, I know exactly what you mean. And something I was thinking about last night, which I meant to mention in the commentary today, and I forgot, is now we're going to have three races where you could easily see 100 superbike wins for Jonathan Ray, couldn't we? Because if you look at the average number of wins he's had over the last few seasons, I worked out earlier this year that he might just miss it if he kept winning the same number of races over the next two years, which he might not do. But now with three races, you're almost certainly going to see the century of wins probably hit at some point, aren't you? Um, Which I suppose takes us on to the next point. 
Oh, another line I was going to use in the commentary today is because, of course, Jonathan Ray was suffering badly with food poisoning overnight. I was going to say over the line, but I thought, but no, he's gone from diarrhea to delight. What do you think of that one? You've no, got your head in your hands. No comment. Right, okay, we'll, we'll go, we'll leave that one there, but we'll keep that in. Um, <laughs> three faces, what do you reckon? I mean, I think you're never going to please everyone, are you? Whatever Dorna does. Um, there's always going to be somebody who's not happy. Jeremy Clarkson always says that, doesn't he? Whether you love him or hate him, you're never going to please everyone. But Dawn has gone with a three-race format, including a sprint race on a Sunday. We've got two races back on a Sunday, but we've still got a Saturday race. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I've been thinking about it quite a lot. I think that I would prefer to go back to two races on a Sunday. I think two races on a Sunday is... Paramount. I but think only, is... you mean only two races on a Sunday, not a Saturday race? Yeah. Look, the Saturday race, it's nice, It's always nice to see a race, you know, to get those race starts. That's what fans come to see. So to have that on a Saturday is good. You know, it, it, it's potentially interesting. But my worry is that it having three dilutes the other two, uh, especially if it's a shorter race. We don't know. Well, we mm. think the shorter race is going to feature on the Sunday morning? Yeah, that's definite. We know that will be on the Sunday morning, but we don't know how many laps it's going to be, do we? We don't know. Danny Carrera said to Charlie Hiscott, we'll play this in, actually, in a second. It's probably going to be fewer points. But, yeah, we don't know all the details, do we? Yeah, we don't know how the grids are going to be decided for races two and three. But, actually, Danny Carrera said, let's play it in now, actually, then we'll come back. Danny Carrera here chatting with Charlie Hiscott in Argentina earlier on today. I'm down here with series boss Danny Carrera, up for his monthly grilling. Danny, look, some big news came out this week. You're going to have a, a third superbike race. We've lost the Superstock Thousands. Three superbike races for 2019. Where did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, we, we are happy with the last change we had in the week on Foreman, having a Saturday race. was very positive from all sides. But uh, we want to give more to our fans, and uh, we know that the old traditional format was well accepted, so we start working to, to, to bring back two races on Sunday, and uh, I think the package for, for next year will be very exciting. How are things going to work with like the reverse grid? Is that still going to happen? This is on the table. We are having discussions. For sure, we will have a qualifying session for the grid of the Saturday race. Then the Sunday morning race will be the qualifying race for the grid of the, of the Sunday race. But the reverse grid, uh, let's say that there are some people in favour, some other, but we will take the decision in the following, in the following weeks. Um, what about things like championship points? So will the sprint race on the Sunday morning uh, have championship points? Yeah, for sure, we'll, we'll, some points will be awarded. It's a sprint race, shorter race, so let's see, maybe it's 50% of, of the total points compared to the full race distance. If you're filling the format with races like this, um, is there now a need to go back to having two bikes? Uh, nowadays, the technical rules allows you to have a, a spare bike ready. So with these rules, uh, it's more than enough to, to, to have the possibility to run the two races. Just one final question. Um, this Villicum circuit, there were some doubts about what it was going to be like when we got here, but it's absolutely fantastic. Are you pleased with the results and how the event is going? Yeah, we are very proud of what we got. Uh, we should thank uh, uh, the government of San Juan of amazing effort during the last months. They have an amazing facility right now, but there is a last phase of construction. When it's completed, it will be a reference circuit in the, in the World Championship. Danny, I know you're really busy today. Thanks very much for coming and talking to us. Thanks to you. Yeah, so he said there, Michael, it sounds like somehow or other the grid for race three will be decided by the results of that sprint race, which could be interesting. Um, 
I don't know. I ran that Twitter poll of mine, didn't I, earlier in the year, and most people said they wanted, it was well over half, said they wanted two races on a Sunday and only that. So is, is there an element of Dorna thinking, well, we don't want to get rid of our Saturday race because it looks like we failed? They believe, though, that in some ways the Saturday race has boosted attendances. I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, I, I, for me, I think in an ideal world, you'd you'd have the two races on the Sunday. But then, you know, you're going back to a, a formula and, you know, do yeah. forward thinking championships want yeah. to be seen as going backwards? Yeah. I don't know. But I think there's still some lot up for discussion. But you've got to think that there has been some level of agreement from the teams to have announced that because I'm sure not everyone's happy with it. But um, like I say, there must be some level of agreements to to be able to come out there and announce the fact that there's going to be three races, although the actual final format hasn't been confirmed yet. Yeah, because teams are going to have to pay more win bonuses, aren't they, potentially? Which is makes you wonder whether that was one of the reasons Kawasaki didn't want to trial the format this year at Donington and Portimao, which is what Dorna did want to do. Um, but of course, more parts, more tyres... Yep. If, a, if a bike's crashed, you're going to potentially miss two races if you can't repair it and not one. For the smaller teams like Go11, Pedicini, people like that, that's quite a big difference. In fact, that's a massive difference. And I know for a fact some of the teams actually aren't happy with it. I mean, all, I'm a commentator like, like you are as well at the moment this weekend. Reporters, we like races, don't we? So in some ways, the more the better. But like you say, it could there's that danger of diluting it. Yeah, and you only had, you know, you had 14 finishes in today's race. Um you know, as teams, you know, struggle for budget potentially, you know, it could mean that you've got less teams on the grid because they just can't make that financial commitment to be there for what will be, you know, what, 39, 42 races. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's exactly. like you said, you know, it's going to increase the number of tyres used. It's going to increase parts on the bikes. You know, they're going to get through clutches. Most of these teams are probably putting a new clutch in every race for the race start. You know, straight away, that's time time and money. Yeah, I suppose time will tell. Here's a few reactions then from the weekend. Jonathan Ray was absolutely exhausted this afternoon and who can blame him, the poor guy, hardly had any sleep overnight. Chaz Davis as well here, I'll get a word with Chaz. Let's not forget Chavi Forres was on the podium with Marco and Andrew. Good weekends for them. But here's Jonathan Ray and then Chaz Davis. They were chatting with Charlie Hearscott. So, Jonathan, you did it. Ten wins on the bounce, but also you've now got 55 wins for Kawasaki, which makes you equal with Carl Fogarty on the all-time single manufacturer wins title. So you're, the records are just falling for you, mate. That's awesome. Yeah, really awesome, especially um, today when the temperature came up. and you know, I, I spoke to you in the grid, and um, I, I didn't think I was going to get to the end of the race, honestly. I told you I think I was going to try and win, but I have five laps power and warm-up, and you know, the last five laps I felt really sick again so I can't believe I could just finish the race but thanks to my team for giving me a great bike here it's clear that our bike was good on tyres I could do what I want with it and ride with ease and still pull the gap so um, ZX10R was incredible just, just tell us about the top of the race because um, it looked like quite sketchy for you at the start and then we saw you have a massive moment on about lap two I had a small moment when I passed Vandermark in the top in the chicane I just um, darted to the inside I was trying to square it up but I just ran myself onto the dirty stuff and almost tucked the front and then Alex came past Chaz came past then Marco came past so um, I knew if I could get clear track I could um, 
do a good job. This track's so punishing if you make a mistake. I mean, Chaz made a small mistake in the first corner. I was just able to tip by. Also, Melandry. But when I got clear track to Zavi, I could see that I was catching him. So I wasn't in any urgency. And, yeah, got it done. Unbelievable. And at five doubles on the bounce run, that's a big record. What does it actually mean to you? I'm living a dream. I said it weeks ago. I don't know where the ceiling is. You know, I don't know when we can stop. I'm just having so much fun on the bike and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I mean, it's just happening very naturally. I'm not uh, forcing it and that's not normal in motorcycle racing. So I just want to try to enjoy this moment. So you've had a pretty tough weekend. Uh, how was that last race? Yeah, it was all right. Actually, coming from 11th, um, kind of conditioned my race a little bit. I actually got through in the first few corners quite well and was quite well positioned after the first lap or two. But um, already the gaps were a little bit formed in the beginning. Like I said on the grid, it's so easy to make to try and make a pass and, and have something happen or just try and force self a little, little bit and and lose the front. It's, it was pretty slick out there. The tra track temperature was hot. So, yeah, really happy in the end. Um, obviously, I'm fighting for for P2 in the championship, so I got good points on that. Um, would have been nice just to, to have a little nibble back at Marco and and, and Xavi, but um, overall, quite happy. Ducati have been blowing up a lot of engines recently in the last couple of rounds, uh, technical faults and stuff like that. Is this down to just pushing things a little hard towards the end of the season when you've got a new project starting at the end of the year? Uh, not really. It's uh, you know we've got some pretty fresh engines which have had issues, which is uh, pretty frustrating. You know, from the costless track time and not only that, you know, it given the mechanics so much work this weekend. You know, people think that we're the, we're the main men riding the bike and all that, but my mechanics honestly this weekend have been phenomenal. There's been engines flying in and out of that bike like unbelievable so yeah they're the they're the real heroes so um yeah it was just been one of those weekends and you know when things go wrong it's uh, never stop never stops really so um, thanks very much Taz. well done cheers so davis there um it's just not really working out is it at the moment he made a mistake in saturday's race fourth and sunday's race but interestingly there and worryingly these engine problems ducati's been having over the last couple of rounds they've actually been new engines they haven't even been old engines at the end of the cycle they've been new engines i think he just wants to get rid of that v-twin now doesn't he and focus on the new v4 yeah i mean look he's still going to be focused on wrapping up second in the championship which is looking quite good to be perfectly honest yeah. well after what happened to vandermark this weekend yeah i mean yamaha def definitely blowing hot and cold at the moment um but you know saying that they could come out and be Vandermark could be on fire in Qatar and, and be pushing up for the podium and, and race wins. We don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is the end of the line for the for the, for the Panigale, the, the V-twin Panigale. And it's difficult, you know, to say, have have things slipped in the factory? Have they taken their, their eye off the ball? I don't know. You know, it'd be unfair for me to, to say that when I don't know the exact problem. It might just be some sort of, you know, freak coincidences. Obviously, you know, we're at altitude in, um, mm. in, 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 in Argentina. There's long straights, but they've obviously, it's not the only round they've been having problems. They've been having a lot more problems than you would expect from a bike at the end of its end of its life, where you would think any of these sort of issues would be very much uh, ironed out. But yeah, I mean, looking ahead, I think Chaz just wants to get this, get the job done. He's signed for another two years, is it, with, yeah. with, with Ducati. So he's going to have at least, um, you know, this new V4 Panigale looks a weapon. Um You've got to think that he's, you know, he's going to be out there to do as best he can. But 
Worst case scenario for him is 2019 in the development year. 2020, he goes out there, takes the fight for real to the Kawasaki's. Should we have a quick listen to that Paul Denning interview? Yeah, well, why not? Uh, <laughs> Paxman versus Denning. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, have a listen to this. Paul, uh, a very disappointing weekend. Not good enough. What's going on? Not good enough for who? Well, just generally not good enough for being at the you know, new track. The guys have won races this season and they're clearly disappointed with the way things are going. I appreciate your assessment. Thank you. But no, the, um, as you say, disappointing uh, race weekend overall. Best position in either of the races is sixth. Uh, we improved a bit. Uh, second race, especially second half of the race with Alex's rhythm was uh, better. Um, but no, we struggled first race, particularly Magnicore, uh, and with some of the corner layouts here, just struggled for acceleration and uh, just didn't get the sums right and get the bike, bike right. And it was interesting because we were quickest in the first session and gradually moved back in the performance from there. But um, what, what does that tell you? It t- I think it tells us that the base of the bike is really good, just the base of the machine. But when it comes to finding uh, the last little bit at all tracks, at some track characteristics, particularly one with very tight corners uh, like this one and a lot of pickup and acceleration points, we're not putting the power we have to the ground, uh, both mechanically and potentially with the electronic control. Um, and we've got to improve because we're at fast, sweepy tracks uh, where the bike can roll through the middle of the corner. We're extremely competitive, uh, but we haven't been as competitive at the last few rounds. That's absolutely true. And uh, we'll keep working. Qatar, let's hope for better things. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Well, that was Charlie Hiscott from... <laughs> I'm still laughing at what you said before the interview, Paxman versus Denning. It was, though. It was Charlie Hiscott from interview uh, from uh, Eurosport interviewing Paul Denning from Yamaha, who's clearly frustrated, and you, you can't blame Paul for that. Yeah. But... Um, but it hasn't been a good weekend for Yamaha, has it? It hasn't been a good, you know, and, and, and Charlie obviously wanted to get a, an answer out of Paul, but to be all credit to Paul, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an honest assessment of where they're at. You know, he, he didn't, um, he gave us some insight into where he thinks the problems are. And, you know, he, he's the first to admit, you know, things aren't really good enough and, and, and they clearly expect more. I think the frustrating thing for those guys is that they've had these breakthrough moments this year. You know, they've mm. won races. Alex has won his first races in World Superbikes. Evander Mark did a double at Donington, you know, real big wins for these guys and I guess you just have this sort of expectation that you know you start winning and you know they always say the first wins are the hardest one to yeah, get yeah. and then you can just build yeah. on build on from that and yeah. I think we've just seen the fact that when they're not when they haven't got that bike working they're way off the pace you know they're not even close and that must be very, very frustrating for these guys. Randy Mark said he had a shifter problem didn't he in yesterday's race but um yeah, you're right. Even so, it's just um, it's frustrating, isn't it, really? For everyone, for them, of course, more than anyone. That It seems like, oh, look at this, Yamaha are the ones to beat. And then all of a sudden, they hit a brick wall again at the next round. Mm. And, and all of this, these struggles for everyone else, combined with Jonathan Ray's brilliance, is what's bringing us dominated seasons at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, there's no... It's not like the Yamaha effort is an insignificant effort. You know, they've they've got... They've gone. They've got serious about it. You know, the last few years it's really stepped up, and mm. this year you really sort of felt that that they've made another step. And it's it is disappointing that they can't be anywhere near as consistent as they need to be to be actually taking the fight. Because you know, like we said, Jonathan Ray has done these five doubles on the bounce, but he was in control before that even kicked off. You know, he yeah. left the first round not leading the point standings. 
but it wasn't long before he'd taken over. And from there, the just momentum and the confidence has just grown and grown and grown. And now he's at you know peak of his career time of his life. Yeah, that Bruno test is when it all changed. So let's go to Ride of the Weekend. I don't think there's going to be any big surprises here, but here it comes. Michael? Jonathan Ray had to be. Um, I think I gave Ride of the Weekend to Top Rack from race one just because of the way he... Um, didn't really seem to care about the offline grip issues and just cracked on anyway and got away with it and rode superbly. Made some great passes down into turn one without running wide, without sort of, um, you know, um, messing up his, his lap. And that was really impressive. And it's always nice to see a young talent up there. But as an overall weekend performance, to win race one by nine seconds and to come from eighth on the grid, obviously feeling, you know, really, really under the weather, to you know he was in control by half race distance you know had pace to easy pace to catch Forrest and pass Forrest and take the win by okay it was like 3.7 seconds at the end mainly because he probably lost three seconds on that final lap by pulling stand-up wheelies so um yeah. he clearly found a bit of energy from somewhere for that but I think that'll probably go down as one of his not one of his most enjoyable wins but when he looks back, one probably one of yeah. one of his most satisfying wins yeah. because that takes a big effort to do something like that. Yeah, and his seventieth career win as well. I can't believe it. It was fifty, wasn't it, at Magnicor last year when he won the third title? Now he's on four titles and he's on seventy wins already. Right here comes the star tweet. So Michael's got a star tweet which you've spotted, haven't you, on our Twitter timeline? So thank you once again, everyone, for all your tweets. We obviously haven't had free practice coverage across the weekend in Argentina. Dorna just provides the satellite feed for that on. European race weekend so there's been no free practice this weekend which is where we usually take some good tweets but thank you nonetheless for everything you've sent in especially on Saturday to Michael Guy 01 and Greg Haynes TV we answered some questions during Super Bowl but one we've had this afternoon Michael yeah. what have we got who sent this one yeah in the last hour Philip Armstrong and he says is there anyone more at the top of their game in any class of motorbike racing currently than Johnny Ray Marquez included so that's anyone in motorcycle racing worldwide in any championship who's at the top of their game. Is there anyone ahead of Jonathan Ray? Now, just before you answer, how many years have you been working for MCN now? Uh, 15. 15 years. And obviously you followed bike racing all your life before that. Yeah, used to race, etc. Not very well, but used to race. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon is the answer to that question? Um, I think he's called it well. I think I don't think there is because... Look, Marquez is in MotoGP. He's, 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 he's breaking the rules, you know, no doubt about it. An absolute incredible talent has really taken motorcycling to another level in many ways because he's kind of um, shown that he can crash a motorbike and actually not crash. And having that confidence to be able to do that and to be able to push to the nth degree makes it clearly very difficult for his rivals. But saying that he's still getting beaten he's not winning at the same rate as Jonathan Ray in mm. World Superbikes you know Marquez hasn't won the last five races on the bounce because of the, the rivals he has got with you know I guess the main two at the moment are Jorge Lorenzo and uh, Andrea De Vizioso, you know who are you know very special riders in their own right but in terms of actual dominance and in terms of state of mind and the bond he has with his team, that advantage, I don't think anyone else in motorsport currently is enjoying that that sort of level of advantage over their rivals. 
maybe this is an unfair question, but I'm just keen to hear your opinion on it. If Jonathan Ray went to MotoGP on, let's say, equal machinery, i.e. a factory bike, a Ducati, Honda, Yamaha, whatever, would he be able to beat people like Lorenzo Marquez and Dovi and Rossi and co? And I'm also going to ask you, if they went to World Superbikes on a factory bike, a Kawasaki, Ducati or a Yamaha, perhaps at the moment, would they beat him there, in your opinion? And I know that's a very unfair that question. Right on the spot. But I'd love okay. to hear what you think about that. Okay, so... In the first instance, no. I think Jonathan Ray going to MotoGP, there's there's a lot to learn. And you're up against riders that have been in that paddock their entire life with years and years of experience. And I don't think, you know, yeah, Jonathan Ray is clearly an exceptional rider, but he's not, you know, 20% better than Mark Marquez. And I'm sure Jonathan would agree with that, you know. Um, and I think that's a sort of, that's a sort of difference you'd have to, be to come in there and beat them at their own game in a paddock they know, tracks they know, tyres they know. Because, yeah. you know, like Jonathan has got this incredible structure around him that enables him to perform at this level week in, week out, so has Marquez. So has Vin... Well, not Vignales, that was a bad example. But so has Davizioso. So has Valentino Rossi. You know, these guys have got that network. So to come... Even if he came on on... He came in and joined, you know, Repsol Honda. He's still got to build up that team. He's still got to build up all that knowledge um, of the tyres, the electronics, the team, the tracks, the hospitality, the clinica. All those, all that mm. would have to come in place. Because it is one of those worlds where everyone knows everyone, isn't it? It yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I think it would be, it would be a, it would be a, a multiple year. Uh, process to be give to, to to be in a position where you could lick, you could challenge at the front of MotoGP, I think. And the other part of your question is those guys coming to World Superbikes. I think that the same rules apply, but I think that transition time will be quicker because I think that ultimately they're going to be getting on a less sophisticated motorbike, a slower motorbike, uh, bikes with less grip. Um, shorter races. I think there is everything there that would ultimately... Um, it's like if you're a road rider, you jump on a 1,000cc sports bike and the level of a 1,000cc sports bike is so high that, you know, especially on the... Well, even if you go on track, you know, you think you're going well, but you're kind of scratching the surface of what the bike is capable of. But then if you then go on a 600cc motorbike, it's easier. You can you can approach those limits a bit better. And then if you take that another step further, if you jump on a one two five, then the difference. Lots of riders will be able to ride around the track on a one two five very similar pace. But the higher the level, the more difficult the motorbike becomes to ride, the harder it becomes, and the smaller amount of people can actually perform at that level. Did that make sense? Good answer. That one. I mean, I'm going to have to listen to the podcast back when it comes out on Monday, which, of course, you're already doing as you listen to this. But uh, I think, to be fair, throwing a very uh, difficult question at you, that was an excellent answer there, Mr Guy. I now understand why you're the MCN Sports Editor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, we've done the start tweet. Here's a bit of tech talk before we go. What should we do for tech talk? We could talk about the track, I suppose, couldn't we? Because... There were worries that it was breaking up. Well, it was breaking up a little bit around the turns five, six section and eight and nine, beginning of the back straight, end of the back straight, those corners there. 
it wasn't too much of a problem in the end, was it, luckily? I don't know whether the rain overnight, and it was a hell of a lot of rain, wasn't it, overnight, actually, in a way, made that a little bit better. But um, why does that happen? It is a new track. Is it because, in a sense, it may have been a bit rushed? Is it because of the changes in temperature? I mean, it has taken two years to get it all put together. I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, the actual, like you said, the track itself, they did an amazing job. You know, it, it looked incredible, you know, the colours of the curbs. I know that's a small thing, small detail, but it is important for the spectacle. I think it's actually quite an important detail because the way it looks on TV, I mean, people say, wow, that looks good. I mean, I think it, it's probably more important than we think, actually. Yeah, and it does generally, it adds to it most, uh, most definitely. I mean, the track itself, I think there was some nice undulation in it. There's clearly it's clearly quite a technical track possibly more technical than we initially thought um quite one liney whether that will change as it gets used more and more um more a rubber gets laid down with the whole thing about it breaking up look i'm not i'm not a i'm not a uh, an asphalt expert if i'm totally honest so <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised if I'm totally honest. I mean, you know, it, it shouldn't, should it? That's the first it thing. Yeah, it, it obviously has, should not happen. It should not happen. And it's not like this is a track that's been laid dormant for the last 15, 20 years and suddenly it's it's been mm. lot of, lot, a lot of a lot of uh, activities on the track. Yeah. You know, that's not the case. You know, this is a brand new track, a brand new facility. So it's something I look at, but it sounds like they did ongoing repairs, um, which obviously got the thumbs up from Perry Reba, whose um, yeah. family is uh, into um, into road laying and yeah, tarmacking. Yeah, he said and... his grandfather, we didn't know this, did we? But he told Charlie on the grid walk, Charlie had found out over the weekend, yeah, 80 years, isn't it? His grandfather yeah. had a company. He's got a finger in every pie, hasn't he, Perry Reba? His entire testing before... Development. He's, he did a lot of development for Kawasaki. Super sport rider, super bike rider. I can tell you as well because I've visited... British super sport rider. Yeah, he had a spelling true. Yeah, you forget sport. that. Blimey, you're right. I mean, yeah. he's even got the... He's even the uh, owner of the top Harley-Davidson distributor of Spain and Portugal. It's Pereriba. I've been to the place. It's in San Cugat, just outside Barcelona. So... Uh, and he's, he knows a lot of people, doesn't he, as well, even in Grand Prix racing? Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, such as his success as a crew chief, there were rumours with um, from the MotoGP paddock when uh, Maverick Vinales has obviously fallen out with his longtime mm. crew chief, uh, Roman Ficada. And uh, Perry Reba was one of the names that actually came up as uh, as Vinales actually wanting. I mean, Perry didn't want to go. He wants to stay with Jonathan. Is it, but, um, uh, is it Paco Sanchez who manages Maverick Vinales? I'm trying to remember his name now. But uh, anyway, Maverick's manager... I'm sh pretty sure he's quite close friends with Pereira as well, so I can oh, understand. Okay. So that's where the link was, right? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was a little if, bit random. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand if that's probably the case there. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, why would you not look at someone who's just in that w winning mentality yeah. and is clearly yeah. very good at putting a team together he's, and putting the right people together? He's bloody smart, isn't he, Pereira? I yeah. mean, he, he is. Don't he really him. is. No, don't tell him. No, <laughs> Reba, if you're listening to the podcast, then uh, you can tell us. <laughs> He's probably not listening, but um, yeah, no. But he is. He's he's a very switched on guy, isn't he? Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And and and, and you know, a key part in Jonathan Ray's success, no doubt about it. And you know, as Jonathan you know mentions on a regular basis, you know, he he attributes a lot of his, his success to his team, to the people he has around him. Just before we go, I, I was laughing earlier, I was because because obviously you mentioned Ollie Rushby, the MCN BSB reporter in um, 
in the show today. And I was thinking, well, this is becoming the NCM show here. I was thinking they'll have their World Superbike report on the programme next if it carries on like this. But uh, what do you think your World Superbike reporter should be writing about at the end of this weekend? What would you advise him to do? I'd advise, I think you, you've got to look at... Um... You've got to look at what uh, Jonathan's done because he's he's carried on breaking the records. And although there was an air of predictability about it, mm. the fact that he's come back from being so unwell overnight kind of changes the, the whole sort of story for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but also, I think the, 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 the success of the circuit... Um, and also the three race format. I think that is a that is something that we're all going to be kind of interested in going forward to see how that's going to be panning out. And and obviously it's not all finalised yet. So, um, but there's obviously other stories. You know, the, the the battle for second in the in the championship, Yamaha's kind of bit of a you know. Well, a miss weekend, I think, let's say, wasn't definitely wasn't a hit for those guys. Laverty, of course, crashed out today. Yeah, Laverty, you know, from a front row start where he looked like he had pretty good pace all weekend. Um, and the bat- and the Supersport battle, which was, I think, you know, oh, yeah. was, you know, without doubt, the actual best race we saw. Not, you know, let's be honest, even though it's been a really interesting weekend, the actual racing itself hasn't necessarily been that super spectacular. But super sport was important. And I think, uh, yeah, hats off to, to both of those guys that, you know, I, I really love it when the two guys fighting for the championship step up and become the two best guys on the day. I, you yeah. know, I, I like to see that. Yeah. And, uh, and Cortese and Cluzel absolutely did that this weekend. Yeah, six points between them going to Qatar. Um, just before we go, quick mention for Chavi Forres. I thought he did an excellent job, bearing in mind, yeah. you know, he's out of a ride at the moment. He could have looked at that two ways. It could have been completely dejected and written off the rest of his season, but it hasn't. He's come back. He's got a podium. Top rack as well. But just before we go, um, I mean, great stuff from Top rack. Yes, he dropped back today, but even so, a podium yesterday. It's interesting, isn't it? On a track where you're fresh out the blocks, nobody had any data. He was up there in practice, quick to learn the track. And some unbelievable moves on Saturday at turn one. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching him. Um, he's great to watch, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's great to watch. And and although he's a bit wild and a bit leery... He's, People he's, like that, though, don't they? But he's not making lots of mistakes. No, he's not crashing into people you and know, causing problems. And, and yeah. So that, that shows that he's really got some... You know, he, he's... he's to sort of call him wild is probably an injustice. He's he's determined he's a hard charger. You know, I see him featuring quite significantly next year because you've got to think that these level of results are only going to mean that that Kawasaki give more and more support to him and he becomes, you know, he's 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 arguably, you know, two, three, four years down the line, he's going to be Kawasaki's future. So, yeah. uh, and that's a big market as well. Um yeah. And you know, from a different part of the world, so he's he's going to be a key key person, and, uh, and yeah, great to see him up there. And uh, and I, I just hope he can continue that momentum and go to Qatar and on a track where obviously a lot of his rivals will have a lot more experience than him. But you know, kind of build on that and be in the mix. You know, constantly being in the top five. And when he has his moments, he you know, I don't even mind if he's running up front and he and he drops back. But I just want to see him up there. Putting passes on these guys, yeah. letting them all know that he can do it. Yeah, he doesn't know. give a damn who they are, does he? It's Sykes, it's uh, Davis, it's Ray even maybe at times. He doesn't care, does he? No. And he did pass Jonathan Ray at Donington earlier yes. this year. So it yes. doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, look who his mentor is. You yeah. know, Kenneth Safoglu, yeah, who, yeah. you know, what an incredible bike racer he has been in his career. You know, just the 
that the complete and utter commitment um and he's obviously you know really you know drilled that into top rack and i think you know there's normally a bit more respect in superbike than supersport you know supersport as you know james whitton always says you know that is the headbangers class yeah but yeah, the axe murderers of axe murderers yeah. class sorry yeah. yeah so but i think he's gonna do his best to turn superbikes into the axe murderers class. And, and actually, uh, look forward to seeing it. a lot of the British press in particular have liked to gang up, haven't they, on Keenan Safogo of the Earth? Because he has put some hard moves on people. You know, he arguably took Sam Lowe's down at Silverstone. He headbutted Foray along the back straight in Aragon. Um, you know, Cluzel battles. There's been so Lavity, many. They've, they've, they've Lavity, clashed, yeah. Jacobson. There's been all sorts. However, what he's doing as an ambassador for motorcycle racing, you know, the um, the Unsu twins who are really dominating things in the Red Bull Rookies and they've been in the Asia Talenka, they're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they, in Moto3 over the next few years. Toprak, you know, there's others as well. Um, he's an important. He's done a lot for motorcycle racing, and he, uh, he was building a circuit in Turkey. I don't know how that's going, but he's a head of a character. Yeah, and I think the other thing we don't realise, don't appreciate, is that just how big a celebrity he is in Turkey. Mm. You know, I was told. I don't know if this is one hundred percent true. I, I, I don't quote me, but you know, I understand. You know, he's the the face of Gillette. You know. Like David Beckham was the face of Gillette in the UK, you know, he's the face of Gillette in Turkey. That just kind of gives you a bit of an idea. Yeah. Um, he's a member of parliament there now as well, isn't he? He's in yeah, parliament. He's yeah, great he's friends with the minister or something. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Be, he's great friends with the president. Yeah, but no, you're right. I think he was like up around Istanbul on, um, you know, on billboards and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's that can only be a good thing, you know, for, 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 for motorcycle racing. But it shows that, the passion is there from Turkey, and as a result of that passion being there, the the, the finance, the backing, and if that's all in place, then we're going to see a lot of fast Turkish riders continue to emerge. And it's Kenan that has sort of set the precedent of this: you're a Turkish motorcycle racer. This is how you need to go about yeah, it, yeah. which is pretty formidable. Yeah. Well, Michael, I've kept you for a lot longer than I said I would, so I'm sorry about that. We've been chatting here for nearly 45 minutes, but I'm sure everyone will appreciate it listening to the podcast. You've got to get on your emails now on the phone and lots of other things to get MCN stuff ready for the copy to go out on Monday. Um, of course, sorry, to go out on Wednesday, but it goes to print on Monday. Uh, what can we expect in this week's MCN? I believe it's a bit of a special edition, isn't it? It's coming out on Wednesday, of course, this week. Yeah, we've got, um, it's one of our premium issues. So we've got uh, Bike of the Year, which is a big award uh, supplement that's going in there. Um, and the other things we've we've got from us, I'm obviously sports editor, so from a sport point of view, we've got an exclusive interview with Leon Haslam. We've done a lot of stuff on his career. We've got a look at how the championship was won, beautiful graphics our designers have been pulling together to make that uh, you know a real sort of feast for the eyes and uh, all the details in there we've also got obviously the report of what's gone on you know Jake Dixon's take on things and obviously two new winners um, or two winners from the race weekend with Glenn Irwin and um, Richard Cooper got previews for Mategi and we've of course got WSB coverage so uh, yeah plenty plenty in there for next Wednesday's paper. Michael, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing the commentary box with you again. We'll be back, of course, for the podcast next week. And we'll be, of course, probably speaking to some BSB people, quite possibly Leon Haslam, I'd imagine. And, of course, looking ahead to the final World Superbikes of the season in Qatar. And don't forget, that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend. Friday and Saturday races live on Eurosport 
and the Eurosport player. But before that, another podcast next Monday. Thanks a lot, Michael. Speak to you soon. And we'll speak to you on the podcast next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.